I once read something that said having children is like watching a baseball game, that the majority of it is boring or difficult or stressful, but every now and then somebody hits a home run and it makes it all worthwhile. Mm. And I really thought that that is accurate. Um, I mean, I love and adore my children uh, and my grandchildren, but it's it comes with lots of challenges. Mm-hmm. This week, we are going to discuss what we learned in 2021. The Pew Research Center has put together a top list of statistical highlights for the past year, uh, and particularly in comparison uh, to historical data. Dr. Karen Sherman joins us today to explain what some of these uh, changes in our society mean for relationships. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Um, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find it, keep it, and make it last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, so, Karen, we are wrapping up the year, um, and the Pew Research Center uh, has kind of put together a highlight list of some of the big um, surveys and things that have taken place over the past year that seem to have uh, say something about society, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's a look at like what happened in 2021. And so I thought I would look at these and kind of pick out some that I think relate directly to the majority of our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will start going through some of these. Sure. So um, the first one is uh, a growing share of childless Americans say that it's unlikely that they will ever have children. Um, 44% of non-parents aged 18 to 49 say it is not, it is not too or not at all likely that they will have children someday, which is an increase from 37% in 2018. So it went from four, from, from 37% to 44%. Um, 56% of those who are saying that they're never going to have children, um, basically say the major reason is that they just don't want to, uh, 19% say that it's due to medical reasons and 17% say that it is for financial reasons. Um, how much, because this was done in, uh, 2021. And even if it was done in 2020, we know that the pandemic has been going on now for 
darn near two years. So do you think that this uh, increase from 2018 um, is in large part because of the pandemic? Or is this just um, quickening the trend that was already there? Uh, I think that the pandemic certainly plays a role in it. Uh, but I don't think it's totally the pandemic. Um, you know, years ago, there was the expectation that you got married, you had children, you bought the house with the white picket fence. Mm-hmm. And as we've discussed on, you know, prior podcasts, there are so many variations now as to how couples live, uh, how what parenthood takes place. Um, what families look like. And I think that this is yet another choice Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily have to have children. Uh, it, it doesn't mean anything is bad or wrong with you. Uh, it is a choice. Now I think that, you know, there is again, um, you know, financial concerns Mm -hmm. because it's very costly raising children. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that when they say they just don't want to, uh, the truth of the matter is that having children is stressful. Mm -hmm. It is clearly joyous, but a lot of times it's really stressful. And I may have told you this, um, anecdote once before, but it's bear, uh, it bears repeating. I once read something that said having children is like watching a baseball game, that the majority of it is boring or difficult or stressful, but every now and then somebody hits a home run and it makes it all worthwhile. Mm. And I really thought that that is accurate. Um, I mean, I love and adore my children uh, and my grandchildren, but it's it comes with lots of challenges. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable, I think, that a lot of people would say they just don't want to um, and not feel that they're going to be stigmatized because they make that choice. Mm-hmm. Now, in regard to the 19% that say it's due to medical reasons, I think that, you know, the pandemic may have an impact on that as mm-hmm. well. The other thing is, and I don't want to get into trouble here saying it, but um, the pandemic and the whole issue of vaccines, et cetera, um, has become very politicized. And I think one of the saddest things about our country is how um, negative and hostile people have become. Mm. And I think a lot of people may feel why bring children into that kind of a world. Um, I did not include it in the information that I sent you, um, yeah. but there 9% of the respondents said they didn't want to have children because of the state of the world. So uh, I kind of feel like that falls into that category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. but I mean, I, I do think it's interesting that over half of the respondents who say they're never going to have kids are basically choosing that because they just don't want them. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, you know, so, um, I, I think it's interesting because I was thinking too, um, the state of the world and climate change and like all those kind of things, mm-hmm. knowing, um, the difficulties that are ahead of us. And then I also have to think about the fact that while those existential problems are real and coming, um, 
for most people, the world is actually a better place than it's ever been. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting when you kind of juxtapose those two thoughts. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, you, you brought up the, the financial, um, issue and how it is a financial stress. And, uh, it reminded me, I have a neighbor who, instead of having baby on board stickers on their car, Mm -hmm. they have severe financial burdens on board. (laughs) (laughs) So I think people feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the second um, survey that they shared was women in the U.S. are now more likely than men to have a four-year college degree. Uh, and it breaks down to 39% of women 25 and older have a bachelor's degree compared mm-hmm. to 37% of men. Mm. And then among those in the age specific age group of 25 to 34. So those, so that younger slice of that set population, mm-hmm. women are now 10 percentage points higher, more likely mm-hmm. than men to have a bachelor's degree, which is 46% versus 36%. So, um, we, we kind of saw this one coming. Um, we knew that they, women were enrolling in college more and these numbers were going to tip at a certain point, And it seems they have officially, um, How do you think this is going to impact relationships going forward, if at all, by the fact that women uh, on a statistical basis will more likely be the one who has the college degree, which hopefully pay pay becomes equal. They will make more more money, uh, again, statistically because of that degree. Um, How do you think that will have an impact on relationships? Well, I think the operational word that you use there is hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, we know that women are not being paid what men are. And we don't know if even if they have a college degree or an advanced degree, if they will, in fact, make more than their male counterparts. Um, Again, if you had if we had discussed this 10 years ago, my answer might be a little bit different because I think that, again, the expectation was that um, men would be the breadwinners and uh, men would feel like they were not achieving as well. But a lot of that has changed now. And it's also not uncommon, though it's not common, it's not uncommon for men to stay home and be the caretakers of the children. So um, I don't know if it's going to have the deleterious effects that I would have ascribed to it years ago. I think I've also told this to you previously, but not everybody listens to every podcast, that when I was getting my PhD, I asked my husband if that upset him. Uh, because he has a master's degree, but PhD is higher than master's. And I didn't know if that would make him feel badly. Uh, Luckily, it did not. Uh, He was very supportive. Uh, But I think, again, you know, I got my degree, we're talking 30, 35 years ago, Um, times have changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things have become a little bit more equal as far as the roles that each gender plays. So I don't, I'm not as worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just circling back to the, um, the pay gap thing, um, I was looking at another, uh, study that looked at the gender pay gap that mm-hmm. is here in 2021. 
and it broke it down by state, but it also, I thought did a clever thing because it's usually, you know, we hear, but like women make 79 cents to the dollar of the man, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you hear that and you're like, wow, that sucks. But it, it's hard to, I think for a lot of people grasp how much that actually works out to, mm-hmm. um, over the course of a year. So this study actually essentially said across the country. So this doesn't apply to every state because some states are better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, across the country, when you take the average uh, salaries that women get paid for the comparable job of the man, um, women would essentially stop getting paid on October 29th mm-hmm. while men would get paid through the rest of the year. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. That's interesting. That's it's an the, interesting Right? way to present it. Yeah. yeah. So if you think like November comes and December comes and you would not get a paycheck, whereas your male counterpart would, that's the amount of pay gap wow. that we're talking about here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so hopefully that gets better. Um, all right. So moving on, um, mm-hmm. about three in 10 Americans are religiously unaffiliated. And essentially with the survey, they answered none. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a 10 percentage point rise from a decade ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, this is something that we've seen happening. Um, Christians continue to make up the majority of the U.S. population, 63%, but their share um, is now 12 points lower in 2021 than it was a decade ago in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christians outnumber the religious nuns, those who are unaffiliated by a ratio of a little more than two to one. Um, and to kind of show how much this is changing in 2007, uh, when the Pew research center began asking this question, um, the Christians were outnumbering them almost five to one and Mm -hmm. it's now Mm -hmm. it's down to two to one. So, Mm -hmm. um, because religion specifically has played such a large important role in marriage historically. Um, what does this rise in nuns, uh, N O N E S not N U S, um, mean for relationships? Do you think? Well, I think that it is probably, I don't think that, you know, even by looking at the, um, the numbers of Christians that you were quoting, I don't think uh, as many people are really um, affiliating themselves or seeing themselves as being religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in part, this is just in part, a lot of people have joined the concept of being more spiritual than mm-hmm. religious. Mm-hmm. Um, where they do have a faith in something, but it's not defined by the rules and regimen of a strict religion. Uh, So that may be part of it. I think the other part is that, again, because we have changed in what we consider acceptable, there's a lot of intermarriage. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're not necessarily identifying you know, based on their religion. Um, you know, I think the question then becomes, uh, which is an aside, you know, what do you do with your children? Do you, I, I know families where they say they don't raise the children with any religion. And I know some families that say that they expose them to both. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have again, other families who, 
will have the children identify with one of the religions, but with the idea that, you know, at some point they might want to make a different choice. So I don't know that religion per se is going to have an impact on the relationship. Um, What's really important is if you have the same values. And if you really study religion carefully, a lot of the values, though they're called different things or they're played out in different ways, have the same values. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the more important um, driving force than the specific ritualistic um, you know, relate, uh, religion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause as I think about it, um, I feel like you were just basically describing people who may identify as Christian, but they're not technically practicing Christians. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I, so I grew up Catholic and I was an altar boy. Like I did the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember growing up, I went to many, not a, like an extraordinary amount, but I went to several Catholic weddings with the full mass and the whole bit. Mm, mm-hmm. I I probably haven't been to one of those in like two decades, mm-hmm. honestly. And yeah. it seemed like I was going to them, you know, relatively frequently as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that I think is interesting is, so they talked about how this ratio um, is uh, from 2007 and to, to now and how it has closed the gap. And I think part of it is society and culture has shifted a lot. Um, and you think about how vocal religion was in the fight, say for same sex marriage mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how they were outwardly against it. So it would mm-hmm. be kind of shocking. I mean, I know there are same sex, um, gay and the whole alphabet of, uh, people out there <laughs> who practice religion, um, but I think it'd be kind of hard if your church was outwardly mm-hmm. expressing opposition to your marriage and then you showing up and putting your butt in their pew the next mm-hmm. weekend. Like that's just mm-hmm. doesn't seem likely to me or right. pretty, pretty hard. So these numbers actually don't surprise me much at all. Yeah. And um, I do really like your, um, your point about the fact that people are identifying themselves as spiritual mm-hmm. and how relationships in general the success of relationships are typically based on a shared value system and, and at the best of religion, that's what you get out of it, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to number four. Uh, 38% of adults ages 25 to 54 were unpartnered in 2021. And that is up from 29% in 1990. Um, you know, I feel like this is something we constantly talk about, but is this something that we should worry about or should we as a society try to encourage more people to partner, more people to marry because we do recognize that there are benefits to that kind of a long-term relationship? That's a tough one, Steve, because, um, I mean, you know, we're we're here on Hitched Mag trying to help people improve their marriages. So I don't want to just say, no, you shouldn't get married or it doesn't matter if you get married. But I think, again, it's a reflection of how society has changed and its willingness to accept um, variety and changes. You know, one of the recent podcasts that we did was about married couples living separately and not because anything was wrong, but just because they found advantages to not living in the same household Mm -hmm. day in and day out. So, you know, 
um, and you were talking about, you know, all the different alphabet letters and how you identify yourself. I think there are just so many variations on what we now consider acceptable for a person, for a couple, that um, I'm not surprised uh, by this. Um, and, you know, people may not be unpartnered. And many people who are unpartnered share custody of a child. They're just not married. Mm -hmm. There are some people, some women who don't have partners and they have children Mm -hmm. on their own. They just do it, you know, where they get a sperm donation. So, and by the way, I just wanted to add, um, they, uh, go into the fact that these unpartnered, uh, people that are included here, some of them are, um, divorced. So they're currently mm. unpartnered, but it's not that they have never married. So mm. just okay. want to point that out. Okay. So I think what's more important for us to encourage is people being happy, mm-hmm. having good values. Um, you know, that to me is more important than, um, well, you know, you're, you're 25 now. It's time for you to be looking for a partner. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you're expected to be married. And if you're not married, um, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, so not that I don't work hard to keep marriages intact. That's the main thing of what I do when I'm, you know, practicing. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I like the fact that there are options and that people should not feel pressured that they must be married in order to be happy. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, I mean, obviously we see the benefit in marriage and relationships, which is why you and I both do what we do, different things, but in that Mm -hmm. same field. Um, And this gets into the last question. And this is the thing that um, I remember pitching Hitched a long time ago and, you know, kind of describing it and talking about how people talked about their family and their spouse and what was most important to them and then asking them what they do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a completely different answer if they're being honest with you. And so, um, in this last one, um, from the Pew Research Center around the world, uh, more people mention their family as a source of meaning in their lives than any other factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 of the 17 nations that were surveyed all mentioned family was number one. Mm-hmm. Um, more mentioned more people mentioned their family as a source of meaning than anything else, including this uh, in the U- United States. Um, so the fact that we have um, a rising number of unpartnered and this question, uh, this survey result as family being number one, is there is this a contradiction or am I um, kind of like putting some weight on what family means um, when that's not necessarily what it means. Uh, what, what yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a contradiction because when I read the question, my immediate thought was, "Oh, your mother, your father, your siblings, mm-hmm. your cousins, you know, mm-hmm. your extended family." Um, and again, when we talk about family these days, there are so many variations mm-hmm. that um, you could still say family is, is the most important to me. That's, you know, my greatest source of comfort, but it doesn't necessarily mean that two people have gotten married and had 2.3 kids with the, you know, the house and the white picket fence. 
It's it's funny because when you were uh, like when I was thinking about this too, and I was thinking, I was thinking the way that you do you you just described about like your your mother, your father, all that stuff, and then you think, then I started thinking, well, we we just talked about these unpartnered people. Um, the, the lineage stops. So if that was so important, you would think that you want to continue. And then you have to re rewire the brain a little bit again. And she say like, wait, just because they're unpartnered doesn't mean that they're not having kids or continuing their lineage. And also to the point that you were making about like, what, what does family mean? How encompassing is that? And so, yeah, I think it is really interesting. Um, and you know, also I kind of take, I, I think it's a good thing that people rank this as number one over money or whatever else is on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we, um, well, I think in my way of thinking, mm-hmm. the more that we can be kind to each other, mm-hmm. the more that we can be tolerant of each other, Um, the better the world will be. So if the explanations and suggestions that we've made in this podcast are in fact uh, demonstrating that, then great, Mm. great. Um, I think it's when we know that the most important factor in a good relationship is respect. Um, And so if we can show that respect to people in general, uh, I think that we would all be much better off. Mm, I love that. Um, can I play a little game with you really quick? Sure. Um, so just going back to what people found most important, I think this is actually really fascinating um, because I do think there's a disconnection between maybe just not how people feel, but maybe the assumptions we have. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. So I will give you a list of things. Um, family occupation, friends, material well-being, society, health. Okay, so we know family's number one in the United mm-hmm. States. What do you think number two is? Can I hear the list again? You have to remember all oh, my memory sure. not so good. Sure, <laughs> so we know family's number one. Occupation, okay. friends, mm-hmm. material well-being, society, health. I'm going to go with either friends or health. Okay, so in the United States, it's friends. Aha! Uh-huh. Can you Ooh. think? Can yeah. you think of number three? Well, I I I think health. Uh, health doesn't even rank. It doesn't even rank. See, I guess maybe in my mind, my answer is the result of the pandemic. Mm. Um. I so the thing that kind of surprised me mm-hmm. is occupation ranks mm-hmm. fourth. Mm-hmm. What was three? Three. Oh, I'm sorry. Three was material well-being. Hmm. And five, and I didn't actually give this option to you, but it shows up only for the United States. Yeah. <laughs> faith. No other country is faith in the top five. Hmm. What's interesting, too, is because I feel like we think of the United States as such a workaholic society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have thought that occupation would be the first. I or totally second. would have thought occupation yeah. would have been first, or maybe not necessarily first, but definitely second. Yeah. Occupation appears second for Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, France, Greece, Germany, Canada, Singapore. Wow. And not the United States. Yeah, that is a little surprising. Right? And then yeah. those other countries also have 
not all of them, but most of them have health included. Uh huh. <laughs> Whereas, like, it just doesn't register for the United States, which is yeah. really and, interesting. And and remind me, when was this study done? Um, this was done in the spring of 2021. So that would have included the pandemic years. Yep. Huh. Yep. I'm surprised. You know, it's interesting with the holiday cards that I've been sending out. Um, basically, I'm saying I'm hoping 2022 brings you, and I write health underlined, mm-hmm. happiness and peace. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm surprised that health doesn't rank up there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll um, see. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, the other kind of twisted way that my mind works is we don't list health, but I always think about what happens after mass shootings in this country and we do mm. thoughts and prayers. And so it's not surprising to me, I suppose that faith <laughs> is number five mm. and health isn't yeah. listed yeah. in the top five. So I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, I don't want to end it like that. Um, this is the, I think I'm going to, uh, this will be the last episode of 2021. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for your time. Uh, and all these lovely conversations we get to have, Karen, it's a highlight of my week. So thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity, Steve. May, may your 2022 <laughs> be filled with health, happiness, and peace. Why, thank you. And yours as well. Um, and before we go, um, I encourage everyone to check out drkarensherman.com uh, to get all the information about Karen, about her books, about her practice. Um, Karen, for a quick reminder, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, we have this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. We have thousands of articles um, hundreds and hundreds, like 600, 700 episodes now of the podcast. All of them are available on our website for free. Um, I mean, I know a lot of podcasts now do like premium and stuff. We don't do that. We, we have all free stuff for you. Um, and you know, to reiterate, um, Karen's good wishes to you all. So have a, uh, great holiday season, um, and a happy new year in May, 2020 to uh, bring health and happiness and peace. So until next time, take care, everybody. 